1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Hello, I'm Natalia Shpilova Said. I'm a host of New Books in Ukrainian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Oksana Lutsishna, Lyuba Yakimchuk, and Alex Averbuch about a poetry anthology in the hour of war, edited by Carolyn Forche and Ilya Kaminsky, and published by Aerosmith this spring. Lyuba Yakimchuk is a Ukrainian poet, screenwriter, and journalist. She is the author of several full-length poetry collections, including Like Fashion and Apricots of Donbass, and the film script for the building of the world. Yakimchuk's awards include the International Slavic Poetic Award and the International Coronation of the World Literary Contest. Her writing has appeared in magazines in Ukraine, Sweden, Germany, Poland, and Israel. Alex Averbuch is a Ukrainian poet, translator, and scholar. He is the author of three books of poetry and an array of literary translations between Hebrew, Ukrainian, English, and Russian. His poetry, original and in translation, has published in numerous journals and anthologies. His latest book, Zhigivsky Korol, The Jewish King, was published in 2021 and was a Shevchenko National Prize finalist. Oksana Lutsyshyna is the author of five poetry collections, one collection of short stories, and three novels. She is the recipient of several literary prizes, including the UNESCO Prize and the Shevchenko National Prize for Literature. In collaboration with Olena Jennings, Oksana is translating the works of the Ukrainian authors into English. Among the ones whose works she translated are Mariana Kianovska, Vasyl Machno, Kateryna Kalitko, and Artem Chekh. Hello, Oksana, Ljube, and Alex, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Hi,
2: hello. Thanks for inviting us.
0: I I suppose each of you has your own story of how you contributed to the volume in the hour of war. And um, um, I would like to start our conversation with uh, how you become part of this uh, collection. What poetry did you choose for this volume as well, and why?
3: Um, Well, I can start. Um, um, Actually, uh, I think it was the initiative of the people who put it together, and uh, in particular, Carolyn Porsche wrote to me, and uh, Ascolin Molnichuk and I spoke about this project earlier, and then later Ilya Kaminsky also reached out. And uh, I believe I'm featured in several uh, ways here uh, as a a, a poet and uh, I believe also uh, as a, a translator, because I have a um, a translation of uh, Mariana Kianowska with another poet uh, in collaboration that we have accomplished.
1: Uh, but the
3: selection of text was up to the um, editors, actually. Uh,
1: to be honest, I received... The letter was this offer to participate in this anthology, probably in March or April, I, I cannot remember. And at the time, I didn't feel actually like choosing poem at all. And uh, Kyiv was under siege. Russians were very close to Kyiv. And I um, dedicated myself uh, to volunteering and assisting uh, in the city for this volume. Um For this volume, I selected the most uh, probably the most recent unpublished poetry about the the war and the soul. I I, actually I didn't have lots of time to think about it.
0: Mm -hmm. And Alex,
2: Uh, although I was contributing also only as an author, not as a translator, but I was approached also by the editors, um, by Ilya Kaminsky. And uh, the poems that were included in this um, uh, collection were translated by uh, Oksana Mm -hmm. Maksimchuk. These poems, uh, they were written actually, uh, some of them. Uh, There are three poems. uh, Two of them were written during the last year, so they were not included in the book. And uh, one of the poems is from the Zhidivsky Koron, The Jewish King. Uh, it was quite spontaneous. Uh, I guess it was very close to the publication of the of the anthology. Um, but I mean, for me, it's, it's it's it doesn't matter when to be included. It just it's a great honor, and I think that the anthology uh, is very well balanced. This is something that we we don't see much, um, and this is actually. I mean, I'm speaking from the position of. Uh, compiler of a different anthology of the uh, translations of contemporary Ukrainian poetry into Hebrew it's always a very challenging task to pick up, to choose, even um, from a corpus of one author what to choose, and anthology you can't actually give more than two or three poems uh, and you want to, to provide more but uh, but as this anthology was assembled I think it's uh, balanced both in uh, geographical terms it gives us uh, a taste of uh, what is being written in Ukraine uh, and by Ukrainians beyond uh, the country in Ukraine from various parts of Ukraine uh, and the translations as far as I uh, know, are not only from ukraine and we have also a couple of uh, few uh, authors who write uh, either zol in russian or bilingual um and so yeah the spread is just uh, just uh, wonderful and uh mm-hmm.
0: yeah thank you so and the anthology itself is a response to russia's full-scale invasion uh that took place um, well, now more than a year ago, and it was supposed to give some perspective, right, uh, on how uh, Ukraine in general, I would say, and Ukrainians um, respond to the war. And poets and writers today uh, are ambassadors of Ukraine and activists, volunteers and fighters um, they've been. Uh, there have been a lot of um, lately festivals, mm-hmm. conferences, and talks organized, and Ukrainian poets and writers have been invited to not only present their work on the war, but um, also I would say speak on behalf of Ukraine and Ukrainians and those who are at the front line, those who have to seek shelter, uh, for instance. Each time Russia carries out air and drone strikes, so the war started in 2014, but uh, at the moment. Uh, At that moment, the uh, international community didn't pay that much attention to the crimes that Russia was perpetrating. And in fact, uh, Luba Yakimchuk wrote about this in Apricots of Donbass when, uh, I believe, uh, She has a poem titled, I have a crisis for you. Um, This word crisis was ubiquitous, I would say, right after 2014. So how would you explain this oversight? Is the international community willing to hear the Ukrainians now? And what does this uh, willingness to hear uh, Ukraine and Ukrainians uh, involves for you?
1: I think this is a matter of political will of the western countries our allies uh, who is our allies right now I believe that when war was started just started in Ukraine in 1914 it was uh, perceived by by international community as a kind of localized conflict mm-hmm. you know this per, uh, this perception turned out to be a grave mistake later and um, we already know about it. The, this um like kind of implicit permission granted to russia to next crimea to occupy donbas lead to the uh, current situation mm-hmm. Uh, to the current uh, Russian and and Ukrainian war. And uh, what we are experiencing right now, uh, this is a genocide, and the international community is gradually acknowledging it, and uh, I believe the situation is changing all the time, and already we have um, some... um, I cannot say, uh, probably I cannot say achievement in this context, but something like this, yes. Back in uh, 2014, we had to convince the world uh, that this was not an internal uh, war, but war started by Russia. Now we have uh, um, this additional task to prove that uh, this is genocide. And I believe the world uh, just... um, uh perceives this uh, uh this war the a uh, kind of uh, like dangerous thing for whole world and uh, uh this is already understandable that this can lead to um like bigger and bigger conflict and that's why uh this uh, politic, uh, political political will appears, uh, and um, uh, we uh it's it, it, it became uh, easier for us uh, uh, to talk about the situation in Ukraine for us as a, an artist, as artists.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I believe Ukraine has paid a very steep price, and it is uh, thanks to our armed forces that we are now being heard. Um, I believe the world kind of expected Ukraine to fall in three days or so, expected Kyiv to be taken and a country being uh, basically um, grabbed by russia uh, very much like a country like poland for example was divided between the nazi germany and the soviet union as their zone of influence, whatever they say. And you can still see some of American intellectuals use expressions like Ukraine is just Russia's backyard and stuff like that. So and these the implications of such terminology are bigger than just military or even geopolitical because they're also epistemic, because they influence the way we think. And it's kind of like Ukraine is this, you know, um Country kind of like Russia, but not Russia, so it, it's not it was it was not looked at as a nation in its own right uh, which is uh, which is very strange actually, because if you look at the numbers, just sheer numbers in the territory, we are not really all that small uh, people like to call us this small language, or in the United States it's a less commonly taught language, yes, but so is i don't know Danish or norwegian, you know, and nobody uh, talks about these nations in this kind of way. So uh, it's a it's a certain colonial paradigm through which the world was looking at us and uh, um, I'm really hoping that ontologies like this which and I absolutely agree with Alex uh, and with you is that we have lots of poets presented here and we have quite a wonderful scope of authors Um, And that they're important because they give us uh, a place uh, to start this conversation I think it's just the beginning of this conversation Mm -hmm. really because Mm -hmm. we have to uh, Discuss not just this war, but where it came from Uh, when people tell me like tell us about the war I actually never know how to start telling them about it because to understand this where you have to go back in history about 300 years Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you, Oksana
2: At least 300 years (laughs) Right Right. Uh I think that um and we are talking about poetry and poetry is reacting normally, usually, and we just see it from from the recent anthologies translated to many languages. Uh this is done quite fast, quite uh uh very rapidly. Uh and the uniqueness of poetry during the the, 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 the war during in general uh uh, times of horrors and disasters is um, both uh, shaping the various borders uh, linguistic national geographical even and also this possibility to react immediately because to write a novel it's uh, quite a big deal uh, although some of the of our authors uh, have managed to do so but still to write a poem uh it's like uh you can write a poem man, in five minutes and and this will be will be published and will be translated and uh so what i'm what i mean by by this immediacy of uh, of reply is that poetry in our context functions as as uh witnessing power also uh it's um um a testimonial if you want uh, about what is being done a very emotional one but i think that emotions are okay even in documents mm, uh, something else that uh, is unique for uh, such reflections which are once again they are a lot and uh ukraine and ukrainians uh, are paying a very high price for being heard but also uh despite due um the these wars um ukrainians and ukraine are heard by um by many more audiences throughout the world uh and um, as oksana just mentioned the the very blurred uh, boundaries, cultural boundaries, uh, sometimes in geographical, historical boundaries between the colonizer, uh, the Russian Empire, and its former um, territories, Ukraine among them, is um, redefined through literature, through culture, through uh, various projects, and through poetry as well. And we see many responses. Uh, in poetry, through poetry, but also through poetry, uh, we see witness uh, changing of identities Many uh, Ukrainian authors, for example, switch from uh, Russian to Ukrainian. Uh, this is a quite um, quite a phenomenon uh, because um, this is one of the reasons why the defenders, the uh, liberators, came to Ukraine to you know to protect. Uh, uh, the Russian-speaking uh, population, but as we see, well, at least in the uh, case of uh, these poets who used to write, they just uh, abandoned this language for various reasons. But the uh, very bold one, one of the boldest, is to be to cease to be associated with the aggressor, and this is something that we witness in in the in this poetry, uh, in these anthologies. Uh, in general responses of Ukrainians, Ukrainian authors throughout the world. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, something that I didn't mention when introducing you, Oksana and Alex, is that in addition to being writers and poets, you're also professors. And my next question will be about how we can move from having platforms to speak to having platforms to study Ukraine. Because as you pointed out in your answers, it's one thing to speak about Ukraine, right? And to start answering some questions that would involve the history of 300 years. But on the other hand, is to have some meaningful conversation, right? Um, When I don't have to answer this question any longer, how different Ukraine is from Russia or how different the Ukrainian language is from the Russian language, but to uh, probably engage in a more um, like substantial right discussions about Ukrainian literature or Ukrainian language or the history of the Ukrainian language, or Ukrainian history. Um, but in order to do that, we have to have um, some solid, right, some solid platform for studying Ukraine, outside Ukraine. So how do we move to that stage?
3: Well, I think we are moving, but say for uh, teaching courses in Ukrainian literature, we need more translations. And uh, we need to revisit some of the translations that were made in the 50s and in the 60s. And that's the only ones we have sometimes of some authors. Uh, we need to. Uh, publish them, we need to make them accessible. I constantly receive requests from people who found something on my syllabus and then write to me and say, do you have the English text of this and this? And I only do so because at some point I collected uh, a bunch of these older editions that are now out of print and unavailable. Mm, and I think it's a big problem. And uh, that's not just a problem outside Ukraine, but sometimes within Ukraine. We only now, for example. A year ago, two years ago, we finally published 14 volumes of works of Lesa Ukrainka, who is one of our classics. So I think it's a process that's uh, ongoing and that may, involves many people and some of these people will be translators or translators of poetry and uh, people who compile ontologies. Uh, some of these will be uh, people who will lobby uh, and create courses on Ukraine in, on the administrative level. Uh, some of these people will be speaking to the general public via other platforms. So we. Basically we need different kinds of platforms. I think some of them would be the universities, but others may be other kinds of gatherings Uh,
2: Yeah, I totally agree with Oksana regarding the uh, sources the resources that we need to uh, to accumulate uh, for uh, introducing Ukraine abroad for teaching Uh, I I uh, encountered, uh, just taught a course on censorship and letter writing in the Ukrainian context. Uh, I mean, the letter writing, not in the Ukrainian context, but my project dealt with it. And there are virtually no uh, no scholarship on, on this topic in English. And, you know, when you want to teach something, you need uh, the material uh, to be accessible to, uh, to the students first and foremost. And these translations... And it's crazy that we are talking about translations when when the war is just is going on there and people are are dying and killing uh, and and are being killed but but still it's it's another front I believe and uh, and uh, this is something that was lacking it was it was it was it was not available uh, to such extent as it becomes now and uh, this accumulation of of materials of uh materials accessible in the um, language uh that is understood by by our students by a broader audience um, uh, is one of the pragmatic tools um and i uh i'm sorry to use this word pragmatism, practicality when we talk about poetry and literature but still I think that poetry uh, and literature in general in particular in translation uh, performs this task of witnessing and of uh, uh, of um, spreading the word to those who want to hear but sometimes they just can't because they, it's not accessible and as Exana mentioned uh, people inquire do you have this translation, or do you have uh, something on topic X on a certain location in Ukraine? Because we want you to, to teach it, but we don't have it in 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 English. Uh, let's say uh, so. Yeah. Um, just to to wrap up. Uh, yes, it's 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 another front, and it's a, a long term one. It's only starting, and so we have to. Just to push it to continue and contribute to it.
0: Well, do you have, oh, for instance, one book, either prose or poetry that uh, you would recommend reading and that you think that would somehow um, help people being interested in Ukrainian literature specifically? Well, I'm asking this question because I had this very um, interesting experience when I asked students if they can name at least one Ukrainian uh, prominent figure um, in terms of culture and Unfortunately, they couldn't name one single person. However, when we talk about other cultures, uh, they would name a set of very well-known names, although they didn't even read those books. So um, do, do you have such a book or do you have such a... Maybe it's it's only one poem or an, even one short story.
3: Well, a poem or short story, I think, would be... Uh, um... Harder to recommend, but to my students, uh, we uh, I recommend this novel. Where we read it in some of my classes that I teach. Uh, we read the Tehrulova by Ivan Bakhiani, mm-hmm. which is uh, the tiger catches, but in the translation, it's the title is changed. It's the hunters and the hunted. Um, And uh, it's actually a, a story that my students my students pointed out to me that it's an optimistic story. It's a story of victorious Ukrainian guy. It's not a victim of history. And uh, they said, why didn't you guys make a movie of it? And I mm. didn't know what to say to them, so I don't know why we didn't make a movie of it. Uh, well, when it comes to poems, uh, again, uh, I think these days it's also in the making because so many wonderful Ukrainian poets have been finally translated into English. And we actually hosted at the University of uh, Texas at Austin, kemchuk uh, and her reading was very well attended, and people were very eager uh, to listen to what she had to say and to her poetry. And uh, all the books sold, and then people were hunting for books, you know. It was actually very pleasant to see that uh, poetry books were in high demand. And people were stunned by her poem Decomposition, for example, that has become kind of as a great symbolic value. And it was written not with a full-scale invasion, but in 2014.
2: Uh, it's, it's a really tough question, and Oksana probably came prepared. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but I do agree that, and I, I just remember uh, that a panel on, on the colonization and the latest Aces when Vitaly Chavnetsky gave such a wonderful presentation about the the recent and not very recent uh, books uh you of ukrainian literature translated into english and um we have we are lucky to have this series of uh, actually uh, published by a number of uh, american north, north american publishing houses um, uh, of the latest poetry and not very latest and uh, not just uh, the last year but uh, by the prominent ukrainian authors who if not this uh, bloody war they probably would not um, would not reach such a wide audience but once again we are talking about the price and the rewards I I mean I, I hate these storm rewards and uh, nobody see the quotation marks that I I'm, I'm making with my fingers but yes and this uh, so I, I I'm not going to mention one one poem or one author uh but uh probably historical periods I think that uh we should uh when we teach uh contemporary Ukrainian uh literature, poetry and we have plenty once again uh, resources, uh journals and books uh who publish contemporary authors, uh we also should somehow make parallels between this current period and uh, past periods, uh, for example, the executive Renaissance, uh, which is uh, which is quite significant for Ukrainian Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian identity, and the 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 the, the lessons of resistance that these periods, these authors teach us uh, today, um, but also. Once again, we are talking about Ukrainian literature, which is uh, which is multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, very diverse, and they, this is just great. So maybe we also should mention um, uh, literatures written by other uh, nationalities residing in Ukraine who. Uh, for example, once again, I, just, I have to mention the Jewish literature of Ukraine, which is uh, which was produced uh, well, not current, but uh, um, in in past uh, two centuries, which was produced. I mean, the Hebrew canon almost entirely was written in Ukraine on Ukrainian lands, and it is impacted by the their relationships with ukrainians by their geography by uh and whatever uh so just the bottom line is not i mean i i never mentioned one book or one poem but uh probably these references to different periods that somehow resemble what we are going through today and also um different uh nations ethnicities that went through uh, something similar uh, in the past, and who could provide um, the uh, Ukrainians today some um, with some um, literary poetic experience of how to go through what is going on today. I'm not saying that Ukrainians have never had never gone through. Disasters, of course, they did, but uh, but this kind of poetry as as form of solidarity and support through experiences of others is uh, something that is should be emphasized and it's helpful, I believe.
0: Oksana and Alex talked about what changes could be introduced, for instance, in the educational sphere. And uh, Luba, could you put the current uh, Russian-Ukrainian war in the context of Ukraine's history of nation and state building? particularly in the context of Ukrainian literature. What does literature and poetry in particular document, bear witness to, and how it can be delivered to everyone who hasn't been that much familiar with Ukraine and its culture and literature?
1: This is a really huge question. I believe this is a question for entire dissertation probably. Recently, I I will talk about my experience. And recently I completed a libretto, which uh, contain um, like story uh, of Alexandra O'Connor-Velinska. She was an Ukrainian writer who was elected to the Ukrainian parliament in uh, 1918, 1918. And she was renowned uh, for her work as a children's writer and playwright as well. And uh, after the revolution, the Ukrainian People's Republic was established and uh, its uh, borders were officially recognized uh, through uh, the Brest uh, Peace Treaty involving Germany and Austro-Hungary. However, Kiev uh, fell into uh, the hands of the Bolsheviks, of the Russians, and uh, they uh, started this war in Ukraine and uh, leading to the this, um, like, uh, uh, destroying Ukrainian people, destroying people here as well, here in Kiev, and uh, um, people were executed also by Russians, just because they were writers, just because they were um, um, kind of um, also, of course, uh, teachers, and... Also, the targets of these executions were um, people who um, possessed possessed Ukrainian documents, documents uh, in Ukrainian language. And uh, these uh, um, women, this woman, Alexandra, called she was imprisoned and she was sentenced sentenced to death uh, by them, by Russians. And now I see situation is very similar in, in Ukraine. Uh, for instance, um, Russians recently executed Ukrainian uh, children writer uh, Volodymyr Vakulenko in Izum city. This is um, western part of Ukraine. And, uh, and you, this writer, uh, he was an amazing man, and he... He had uh, a, a son, and he was really responsible for him. And um, uh, you know, I personally also experienced uh, this tense situation in Kiev last March during the city siege, and uh, uh, situation is very very similar. And I believe uh, um, this is it. It used to, to be like this before. Uh, one hundreds before or more Even more And uh, um, Russians uh, um, Even uh, after one century uh, Russians uh, Doesn't improve uh, Her um, behavior And uh, they uh, Do the same They are doing the same right now In Ukraine The situation is the the same It's like uh, next uh, circle Of this And um, this is uh, just an example which um, can emphasize this uh, uh, repeating situation with Mm Russia. And I believe we need uh, just uh, to win this war, and this is the only way to protect yourself uh, from Russia, because... Unfortunately, Russia is our neighbor and we cannot do nothing with this. It's like reality, uh, but we can uh, do something with uh, world rules and we can uh, do something with uh, a real situation which we have right now. And uh, uh, I believe we can preserve us, uh, ourselves uh, from... Um, um, this um, kind of nomadic style of uh, uh, rule the world and occupied everything uh, what they can. Um, this is my kind of yeah story. My kind and mm-hmm. of, kind
0: of. thank you. Thank you. So, um, would we could you talk a little bit about writing in terms of processing collective uh, trauma? Uh, many traumas from the past, the Holodomor and the Holocaust and collectivization and the Second World War, and here I mean the Great Patriotic War, haven't been in many cases dealt with on a broader public level in the Soviet Union or under the Soviet Union. Uh, and, for instance, um, the overwhelming attitudes to the Second World War. Or war glorification and heroization, particularly as again under the Soviet Union. So, what history or story will the current war have? Or um, what are those? Um, uh, I would say contested, right? Contested narratives that are looming ahead, in your opinion,
3: about the present, the current yeah. uh, invasion. Well, we I think we hear these narratives all the time. Uh, there's narratives from, uh, you know, from Russia. There's narratives from some uh, intellectuals from what we collectively call the West. But I don't even know if it's a relevant term here because we should probably talk about different countries like Germany or United States and so on. And uh, it's not that the plurality in itself is a bad thing, but then some of these discourses have been. Uh, given this place of a master narrative for so many years that it's kind of difficult to um untangle everything uh what i think is one of the dominant uh, things that should be emphasized is that uh this is not a uh, this is not a war of one nation against the other this is an imperial war and to recognize that this is an imperial war russia has to be recognized as a state with imperial ambitions which it has always been um, and so I would hope that this narrative would receive attention uh, from various groups
2: uh, Yeah, I, I agree with Oksana regarding the scope of the the current discourse uh, around Russia and uh in her, her citizens crimes uh, in Ukraine and elsewhere uh, This is kind of a bold narrative, but we once again we talk here today about anthology, poetry, and the power of poetry uh, amidst these horrors. And uh, once again, to to talk about narratives, or maybe narratives less applicable to poetry, but to kind of uh, practical applications, what poetry, how does poetry help us? Them, uh, what what what's going on? Why uh, do we need this poetry uh, right now? And I think we do because, uh, uh, getting back to its pragmatic functions, it's not only uh, a testimonial, a very catchy testimonial. Why poetry is so is so um, in demand once again in in quotation marks because it's it's kind of a. An imprint in in one's memory in 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 one's ears because we have uh, uh, not all the poetry is rhyme but uh, but still rhymes rhythm it's very memorable you and it's catchy and it's 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 fast and and uh, also poetry functions as uh, as uh, as uh, uh, prayer, uh, because we want to, there are a lot of layers, uh, both folkloric, but also in terms of genre, we want to address our something, our source, our our our, words, our sufferings, their sufferings, sufferings of somebody else, which, I mean, we are both uh, located in a safe place in North America, so what... What do we do in this anthology? We are not fighting. We are not living in Ukraine for a couple of decades. So what? How? How do we help? What? How? How does our poetry helps? Uh, what kind of narrative we are contributing to? And and this is the pragmatism of poetry that I have been insisting on, mm-hmm. and uh, in particular uh, uh, translated poetry that that uh, makes people's experiences, available, catchy, memorable, uh, documentary even for a broader audience. And uh, Oksana mentioned uh, various uh, imperial narratives, uh, and this is not only narratives, it's also a strategy by a former current empire to silence what former colonized uh, people have had to say, and this silencing is a meta-narrative of every any in, empire, and uh, as we well we know from history of uh, the Russian Empire, Soviet Union, why these voices were not always heard in the West, because it was a policy of silencing, mm-hmm. and this fight through poetry is, in a way, is to desilence what is. What was not said in the past, and what might be not said today, if they will conquer us.
1: Mm-hmm. Talking about it, uh, about the former Soviet Union, uh, it was far from being a homogeneous en- entity. I believe it uh, uh, consists um, of where various peoples, uh, for instance, Ukrainians, the most uh, devastating uh, trauma for Ukrainians uh, was um, the man-made famine, this tragedy, whereas Ukrainian population was was um, decimated, and on the other hand, for Russians, the great patriotic war, the, this uh, uh, war um, represent, represents their great, greatest trauma right now, I believe. And since um, 1991, Russia has elevated this war to the status of a uh, of cult. Some Russians uh, uh, political uh, political scientists um, talk about this. Victory uh, about this victory day as uh, about kind uh, of Easter for, for, for Russians. Can you imagine it? It's kind of Easter about these things for Russians. And uh, now um, let's consider this issue of the Second World War. The problem uh, lies on the fact that the uh, defeated parties were... Uh, subjected to an international trial. And this approach is not good because um, it allows uh, the victor to commit any number of crimes to secure uh, this victory. And uh, now Ukraine, uh, along with uh, uh, our partners, uh, international partners, uh, Ukraine, uh, working uh, is working uh, towards the establishment of a new international tribunal. Probably you already know about it. This tribunal will be representable for addressing all war crimes. It doesn't matter uh, if this is Russian war crimes or Ukrainian ones, not just uh, those, those committed by Russia. And uh, uh, the old phrase uh, of uh, winners are not should be replaced uh, with a, a phrase that all criminals must be held accountable, all criminals must be punished, and uh, this is new things in um, in our world, in in Ukrainian, uh, in Ukraine as well, as a part of Western world, and uh, it's import- important things with uh, which can save uh, preserve us uh, from this um, um, mistake uh, which uh, were made uh, by uh, by russia by soviet union okay it's it's probably a better call like this uh, uh, with which is this mistake which made by the soviet union after uh, second world war so I um, I didn't see kind of um, problem in this mm-hmm. e- e- area right now, and uh, also it's important to note that Russia allies mostly consist uh, of totalitarian or authoritarian nations. Uh, our allies aren't like this, and uh, it's also. Shape, uh, shapes uh, us as a state uh, because uh, there are international ru- rules and uh, we as a state, we as Ukraine, we try to play and uh, to deal with this uh, rule and uh, this law, international law. Um, Russia doesn't uh, do like this at all uh, and uh, the, uh, Russia as a state uh, doesn't doesn't have these restrictions uh, these uh, restrictions uh, from allies. So I um, cannot see problem at all in this in this area mm-hmm. or Ukraine especially.
0: Yeah. <laughs> probably just for Russia. When the full-scale invasion started uh, right away, I remembered Luba Yakimchuk's um, poem from apricots of Donbas*. I Have a Crisis for You, because again, well, that was the word, crisis, that the international community was so obsessed with, even after uh, Russia launched that uh, barbaric um, all-out war on Ukraine in 2022. And uh, I wanted to ask you um, this question about the fatigue, about which many talk today that well the world is getting tired of Ukraine of this con- ongoing conversation about war and I know that Oksana you traveled to Ukraine a couple of months ago and I know Luba that you currently in Ukraine but uh, you also have traveled a lot as well is it something that you noticed is it something that you hear from let's say people who come to the States or to Canada. From, from Ukraine, or if you have a chance to talk to your friends and families uh, in Ukraine, is that something that uh, is actually true?
3: <laughs> I don't know, Alex, would you like to, to tackle this first, maybe? <laughs>
2: uh, yes, I can. Uh, I live in Edmonton, in Canada, and um, Alberta, historically, I mean Edmonton is the capital of uh, of the uh, Alberta province. Historically, is the one of the most populated provinces in Canada by Ukrainians, and there are a lot of uh, uh, organizations that are uh, helping uh, uh, the newcomers. And I see them. I just my neighbors over the wall uh, came from Kiev a couple of months ago. I don't see this kind of uh, fatigue that you mentioned. Uh, people, but of course, this is, I guess, uh, the goal of, of, of the invader to cause this uh, by the on long non stop uh, uh, actions, uh, uh, cause some sort of um, just to cause Ukraine to give up. Uh, to give up of, 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 of its entire territory or some of territories uh, to uh, lower the morale of the soldiers and overall uh, the population. But I think that uh, in terms of, of uh, its representation, um, I think it's still very in the heart of, of the discussions uh, all over I mean, academia mass media and uh, and so on uh i just i want to mention one project that i have been working on writings from the war which uh, uh, my colleagues and i uh, uh lead since uh, last marriage uh, we collect stories by ukrainians who are uh, uh by many ways affected by by the war, and so we uh, deposit them in the uh, archives, uh, North American archives, and this is something that is very interesting. I mean, not interesting again; it's it's a too positive uh, war term. But but people in both in academia in mass media are curious to know what's going on from, you know, these are um, first-hand testimonials, accounts of war uh, by real people who went, who lost everything they had, their houses, their relatives, their children, so on. So, no, it's... uh, And once again, we think about various strategies to sort of to fuel the discussion, the discourse, not to let it uh, get down because yes, one year, two years, and it's not interesting. It's mass media. Uh, mass media is looking for something picky, but well, we don't have anything new to offer. The war, is, the war is going on, uh, so we think we should think about various strategies to avoid this fatigue that you mentioned. To to make the this knowledge, this information accessible and available and relevant so the relevance of what's going on is and the maintenance of this relevance in people's minds uh is something that is very crucial uh, right now
1: Uh, i recently i checked uh some uh, i checked survey and i already know that only um 13% of ukrainians uh, um like feel uh, yeah. this physic uh, are physically exhausted mm-hmm. from the ongoing war in ukraine and only 19% of ukrainians experience emotional fatigue it's not so it's not so it, it, it isn't huge uh, number of people and uh, this is like um, not situation is doesn't look like Bad, and uh, uh, all the global indicators are unknown, and uh, I, I didn't find this kind of um, research. Uh, but I believe that it's better to seek uh, out research, and uh, in, in any games, in any circumstance, uh, this is like more uh, reliable information. Um, but of course, uh, Russia can manipulate and can uh, use these narratives, can use these uh, uh, fatigue narratives for uh, to, to disinformation. Uh, but uh, science can uh, fight these narratives. I believe.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. And uh, when I went to Ukraine, I didn't see the fatigue in the actual. Ukrainian people, it was actually uh, I was surprised how strong people are, how strong they stand, how strong they feel that nobody was ever said anything defeatist. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the contrary, and um there was absolutely no fear that I could detect in people. Everybody was just doing their thing and focusing on victory. But um I think it's more like the fatigue, Fatigue. we see fatigue in the news. It's just that, say, United States feels kind of fatigued. Well, there's other news going on. And it deviates from uh, covering the war and it inserts other news about, you know, other things. And sometimes not even the most pressing ones, as we know, like entertainment industry news or something like that. Uh, I think that is definitely present, and uh, uh, that's. But that's not unique to Ukraine. It's happened to the to the war in Syria. It happened to pretty much every war that that ever happened. Uh, that at some point nobody wants to hear about it anymore. Everybody just wants to have fun. Well, that's just the kind of the the way our century is, and the way that social media structure our attention, that everybody can focus for for something for about two minutes. I don't even want to say five because that's a lot of minutes. Uh, so yeah, we just, we just have to keep going and keep informing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this in this way, this anthology is tremendously important because it unites people around the idea of poetry. And actually in the introduction here, the um, editors, Carolyn Porsche and Ilya Kaminsky say that um, you know, they wanted different kinds of poets, and they specifically wanted to hear about uh, this sort of ordinary life, or what what becomes of it in times of war. And I think that's the the theme that can uh, really reach the hearts of the readers, because it's people just like you who are living their regular, ordinary life. It's nothing... Uh, you know heroic necessarily, or because you know people can be victims of a bombing, they were not necessarily participating in military action, and then you really feel the horror of it
0: mm-hmm. well, I'm always uh, hesitant to ask um, this question because I understand it's it's painful probably and it's very personal um, but um <clears throat> i if, if, if I may, uh, could you share your um, thoughts on your personal writing right after uh, the 24th of um, February, 2022? Um, so just whatever you're comfortable sharing about this kind of response.
2: Yes, if I uh, <coughs> choose one sentence or even a couple of words to define what, how I write, and once again, I want to emphasize from I'm distant uh, distant from what's going on there. I'm not experiencing, uh, um, at least physically, what, what people are going through, and I can't actually imagine. But I'm writing by the power, by the right of rage and longing, I think, because this is something that these two quite contradictory emotions are fueling my, 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 my mind, my creativity rage and longing too because this current war uh quite paradoxically made me much much more connected associated belong to with ukraine uh and uh it's it's not an ideal way to to reconnect to your uh to your homeland because I lived in Ukraine till two thousand and one. But uh but this longing that I just mentioned is for for that life, for these places. And I'm from Luhansk region, uh which is just unreachable right now and I'm not sure when and if ever I will go back. I believe that I will. Um, but um but the the way, and I don't write much. Um, uh, probably since since February I wrote five six poems, mm-hmm. um, and most of them were written during the first months of of of, of uh, after the February twenty okay, fourth. Uh, it's hard to write, and it's also. It's hard for for a very simple reason that you, I don't always feel capable and uh, and um, to to express something that I on behalf I feel that I'm 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 writing I'm talking on behalf of somebody else who is actually going through. Uh, mm. what i am not uh, so this is one of the greatest challenges
0: thank you thank you alex uh this is a
1: tough question because i'm a philologist and i can talk about it a lot uh but uh, to make a long story short i believe that i believe that when the war uh, was started in ukraine uh it it was like um, kind of uh who uh, for Ukrainian artists, uh, it uh, make us um, not probably not stronger, but um, you know, uh, lots of people uh, like talk about our trauma and so on about our problems, but not everybody knows that after trauma can be um, post traumatic uh, post traumatic growing. And I believe this war uh, became for Ukrainian art, for Ukrainian literature, kind of post-traumatic growing. And uh, this is make our literature more strong and uh, more interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, talking about my poetry, it was um, pretty tough to find a way to speak uh, about um, about work with people. Uh, people uh, need poets uh, because poets can give them, uh, can find for them some words to speak about traumatic uh, events. And it wasn't so easy to, to find some words, uh, but we just, as writers, we just tried to find them and uh, we had kind of results and it works. And talking about uh, 2014, um i i i remember i wrote I wrote about um poetry that poetry should be like 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 wires without insulation. It should have the power to heart sometimes uh because it was time uh when we needed to prove uh to the world that we were at war. Uh, Now, talking about poetry, I believe that poetry should uh, serve as a source of um, healing, Mm -hmm. kind of cure, uh, and offer a kind of way um, towards hope. And... um, uh, I try to work uh, kind of, I try I'm trying to find new way to work with uh, with it because uh, people uh, really, people, especially people in Ukraine, um, like feel this severe feeling. Sometimes it's rage, sometimes it's uh, a- anger or something like this and uh, people need to find some word uh, to talk about it uh, to escape to escape to escape this trauma because we know that uh, just people who can speak who has language can uh, experience trauma and trauma doesn't exist uh, like out of language, it can be just uh, uh, like toddler uh, babies cannot uh, uh, cannot have trauma uh, because uh, the trauma has a strong connection with language, and uh, of course language can help people deal with this trauma and can help uh, to escape this trauma. Uh, escape to can um, like. Can uh, help to to speak about your emotions. This is uh, the only way uh, to help yourself. And I believe this this uh, that our poetry um, should uh, be um, kind
0: of um, healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, and
3: to Oksana. Um, Yeah, it's affected my writing in a negative way. It has become increasingly difficult to write about that. And again, because I'm not exactly experiencing this firsthand. Um, And uh, right now I'm trying to to do some uh, nonfiction writing, actually. Uh, So that's kind of, I feel like that could be my venue for now, because for fiction, you need a different mindset least i need a different mindset
0: mm-hmm. thank you thank you so much i really appreciate your responses well thank you thank you again uh, and as we were speaking i thought that well poetry in fact poetry and writing can be this antidote to the fatigue that the international community uh wants to uh promote regarding this topic in ukraine about the um, uh russian war on ukraine so thank you so much thank you for your writing thank you for your poetry and thank you for this conversation today Thank you for creating and giving this voice um, to Ukraine and Ukrainians and uh, for producing this narrative of healing and resistance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today I spoke with Alex Averbuch, Oksana Lucishina and Lyuba Yakimchuk about In the Hour of War, edited by Carolyn Forshay and Ilya Kaminsky, published by Aerosmith Press in 2023. Thank you for listening to New Books in this Ukrainian Studies podcast channel on the New Books Network. Thank you.